0: Races powered by The Racing Biz, your independent voice for racing and breeding in the mid Atlantic. On the web at TheRacingBiz.com. On the radio, on ESPN Richmond, it's off to the races. Here's Nick Hahn.
1: Good morning, everybody, in Richmond and Harrisonburg and across the world wide web. Thanks for spending your sensational Saturday morning with us. On off to the races a chamber of commerce Saturday finally it's been gone through a couple of tough weekends here in Virginia with Ophelia last week and uh, maybe rain early uh, especially in the harness meet up at Shenandoah Downs but a great weekend of racing in front of us uh, there are some impacts up the uh, northeast that we'll talk about with uh with rain and flooding up there but uh what you heard in the opening there the preakness winner is racing today national treasure comes back to race looks for his his last start before racing in the breeders cup and the awesome again at santa anita later tonight so uh, after you got your fill of football be sure to tune in santa anita that race uh, this is about 7.45 Eastern Standard Time, so uh, we'll talk a little bit about National Treasure and his chances uh, going in. He's going to face a, a pretty tough field here. He's, I think, the third favorite uh, behind uh, a couple of horses uh, owned or trained by um, bob Afford and doug O'Neill, slow down andy and defunded also on today's show uh we'll speak with john salzman low mileage the winner of the jamestown stakes at colonial downs is racing today up at laurel park so uh, we'll talk to the trainer about the uh his chances today uh, in that two-year-old race. Daryl Wood will join us here in the lead-off role in just a few moments, live from Shenatoga, Shenandoah Downs, where uh, you'll see a lot of pink on the racetrack this weekend. Frank Vespi uh, will join us in about a half hour or so, uh, living the dream with Frank, it's been a little bit of a nightmare up in Maryland in terms of uh, trying to get the industry back under reins and. Uh, we'll get his thoughts about that and just an interesting story uh, that uh, he has as well and then Debbie Warnick will join us as well to talk about the harness meet up at Shenandoah Downs up in Woodstock Uh, Harrisonburg listeners will especially want to take interest in that it's Foxfield this weekend so I mean there's racing on the steeplechase front Foxfield uh, the fall races tomorrow you have shenandoah downs live racing up in the valley today and of course racing across the country um, with a couple win and you're in races the ACAC and the awesome again are the two win and you're in races for the breeders cup which is not far away uh, our last show will be over breeders cup weekend and of course the juveniles running on the friday the breeders cup at santa anita archangelo is currently out there of course we talked about national treasure as well uh, for the classic horses that have automatic entries uh when in your in entries include uh, go rocket ride and the haskell arabian night has the pacific classic win white abario the whitney win Uh, bright future the jockey club gold cup win um And then you have a couple foreign interests uh, that have wins as well and uh, we'll talk a little bit more and more about the breeders cup as it is coming right down the tracks right at us um, in the horse racing fall calendar let's go back to last week and it was a rainy pennsylvania derby pretty much the only track racing in the Mid-Atlantic, uh, due to the impacts of Tropical Storm Ophelia and the uh, Pennsylvania Derby, a million-dollar stakes race. This is the time of year where three-year-olds blend into the uh, older horses. They start facing off. You see fewer and fewer three-year-old races on the dirt and on the turf. In this case, it was on the slop uh, as it was uh, officially listed as sloppy and, and track was sealed. Uh, for that, we Frank Vesby talked with track announcer Jennifer um, uh, Jessica Paquette. Forgot her first name for the moment. Uh, Jessica Paquette, who became the first female to actually call Grade One races last week in the Pennsylvania Derby. You had Ir Miracolo with Michael Sanchez aboard. You had Reincarnate, who was the morning line favorite in the race. Scotland, a horse that ran in the Triple Crown, was also in this field. Uh, Saudi Crown, though, turned out to be the favorite. Let's hear how Jessica Paquette brought him home in the Pennsylvania Derby.
2: There's a quarter mile left to go, and the cheer of the crowds welcomes them at the finish line. Saudi Crown, he hits the top of the stretch in command, magic tap coming up the rail. Reincarnate spinning his wheels, needs to do a bit better. Dreamlike is flying late, Il Miracola with a shot. Saudi Crown has led every step of the way, can he take them home? There's a 16th left to go, Saudi Crown on the outside, Dreamlike flying, but it's a coronation for Saudi Crown in the Pennsylvania Derby.
1: Yeah, Saudi Crown gets the win in the Pennsylvania Derby, and um, just a good performance there. My pick in the race, I was hoping to get 3-1 to one in the morning line. The horse got bet all the way down to nearly even money, $4.20 for the win in the uh, Pennsylvania Derby. Uh, that went a mile and an eighth under very sloppy conditions. Congratulations to the winning connections. FMQ Stables and winning trainer Brad Cox. Florent Rue delivered the winner. It, going next to the Greenwood Cup, which was an interesting race. It was a mile and a half on the dirt. That is the the slop with the rain up there. You had riding with Biden uh, in the field, but the overwhelming favorite was next. Jessica Paquette calls the Greenwood Cup.
2: As they make their way around the Final turn. Next has been unleashed. He is putting some daylight between himself and riding with Biden, who's trying hard in second, but next is just putting on a show as they go through the turn and hit the top of the stretch. Next, a gray horse on a gray day, and he is in command, riding with Biden in on the rail, splashing up the rail, but it is all about next. The true marathoner just striding home. It's just a matter of how much he wants to win by with a 16th left to go, and next, Next, gets the win in the Greenwood Cup. Next, your front-running winner, riding with Biden, trying to hold on for a second.
1: Wondering if it's a misprint still, because that horse may have literally run out of the TV set. Next, with a 25-length win in the mile-and-a-half Greenwood Cup grade three last week at parks actually Paco Lopez a little bit of hot water with riding with Biden I think the horse was so far in front of him basically um just started to uh to reel him in and, and gotten a little bit of hot water for failing to ride his mount out uh so riding Biden uh ended up being third did not hold on very didn't make a great attempt to do so and that can get you in hot water it's a tough spot for some of these jockeys sometimes because they have to uh not only you know the expectation to win and ride out but you always have to think about the safety uh, of the horses as well and uh got a little bit in a box there paco lopez but uh congratulations to the connections of next Uh, that's the real story here william cowens with the uh win there uh for owner michael foster and uh yeah not a big price there as well two dollars and sixty cents for that win just sort of recapping um a couple of of other races before we get to daryl wood uh, nobody listens when the turf monster we had phil schoenthal on the radio show uh last week uh talking about determined kingdom who ended up sixth in the race uh went off at a, at a pre- pretty big price but just did not like the yielding condition uh, at all. Uh, So uh, in a tragic story with Nobody Listens who actually had to be euthanized, not on the track, but on the way home, got involved in an incident while in transport. Um, So uh, uh, kind of a sad story out of that race. Our condolences to to those connections there with Nobody Listens who just came off of a stakes win uh, last week. And then in the uh, cotillion, Uh, Ceiling Crusher won the Cotillion, the grade one, a mile and a sixteenth for the uh, three-year-olds, fillies there. Um, And then Damon's Mound. Damon's Mound wins the Gallant Bob at Parks, a horse that was at Colonial Downs through the 2022 season, uh, working out and actually at one point could have been considered the favorite for the Derby. uh, that career and and that uh, projection did not work out for damon's mound but damon's mound has had a pretty solid comeback this year um so a congratulations to michelle lovell former guest on the show and uh the connections there michelle and cliff love and there'll be plenty of love up at shenandoah downs this weekend beginning at one o'clock with racing uh, up at shenatoga and let's introduce daryl wood to the show not only is he the boxer, it's when you know he's coming on the show, he boxes exactas. he's the trifecta boxer. Every now and then the superfecta boxer. <laughs> and Daryl joins us on Off to the Races. Daryl, good morning. Morning, Nick. How you doing today? Hey, you finally got a good weekend. Uh, how about the uh, the weather this weekend? How's everything stack up? Uh, this this is it's a shame JMU kicks off at noon today. Uh, they're <laughs> off next weekend, so another opportunity there. But uh, not discouraging in terms of the weather. It's a chamber of commerce day up there in the Upper Shenandoah Valley.
3: Yeah, we've got uh, weekend number three of a seven-week season's uh, kicking off here at one o'clock today. But um, yeah, I mean the first. Uh, <laughs> The first last weekend was not a washout, but a ranger in the entire uh, weekend. And we got the races in the weekend before we had to cancel Sunday's card after the fourth race Saturday. The first Saturday was really nice, though. But yeah, we deserve a good weekend. And I think we've got it here uh, starting at one o'clock both uh, today and tomorrow.
1: What are uh, some of the promotions that you have? Uh, pink is not exactly a foliage type of color. It shows up in a couple of trees, but you're going to have a lot of it up there.
3: Yeah, it's our it's our Pink Power uh, promotion. We do this every year to uh, a kind of a breast cancer awareness fundraiser for the uh, Cancer Society, uh, the Shenandoah Valley Chapter. So we've got a lot of pink-related things today. And kind of a neat deal, we've got an all all-female driver's race and all the ladies are donating their share of sure the purse monies that they went from driving to the uh, Cancer Society. And we've got four amateur uh, dry, uh, races, I should say, as well, part of the series that's here every Saturday. And, and for the meat, every driver donates their share as well. So the Cancer Society is really going to come out well here, and we've got raffles for prizes today. So it's, it's an annual deal, and we're proud of it. We've got a great relationship with uh, some of the nonprofits in this area and uh yeah it's always uh, it's always a fun day here on pink power day
1: powder puff derby the fancy hat contest uh you got the skill billies uh playing today that might work in well as a double with the dropkick murphys uh, playing at the pavilion later in the weekend one dollar hot dogs two dollar canned beer live music i mean it's fun time up there
3: yeah we do get uh when the weather's nice we get people to travel i know there's uh half dozen or so of the old Colonial Harness fans uh, in the Richmond area that come up here and encourage some of your listeners as well to give it a shot. It's uh, about a a two-and-a-half-hour drive if the tractor-trailers are are playing nice. Um, But it's still it's a a nice drive up here and quite a scenic venue, and we've got betting. We've got 14 races today, 14 tomorrow. I'll tell you what, we took entries for this weekend on Tuesday, and they had 272 horses in the box. That's the most we've ever had, so we're... (laughs) we're busting at the seams here right now
1: yeah need just a slightly bigger track (laughs) perhaps i know that you know that's something that's a that's a a goal with among the uh, harness horsemen uh next weekend uh maybe an opportunity for live broadcast up there was uh been kicking this around so we may be up there next weekend uh which would really suit well the um they have the shenandoah autumn fest next weekend as well as miniature horse races uh on that sunday
3: yeah autumn fest it's neat we're part of this uh part of this uh, shenandoah valley uh celebration that's now ranked number seven by usa today in the uh the best fall festival so we're thrilled to be part of that that's going to be right on the grounds uh, in conjunction with racing next saturday so it's uh we're gonna have three, four thousand people in the grounds. It's gonna be quite vibrant. It's gonna, it's old school racing, grandstands filled, uh, lines at the betting windows, and uh, you know, a, a great time to be had. So that's uh, that's next Saturday.
1: Okay. Yeah. No. Plenty of. Uh plenty of racing in the upper shenandoah valley just a unique venue it's it, it's definitely a bucket list uh type of visit if you haven't been there before uh come out and see what racing used to look like and still looks like today up in the uh, Upper shenandoah downs have a great weekend daryl we'll talk to you next you week. got to enjoy foxfield tomorrow <laughs> you got it yeah the foxfield races here in charlottesville the fall running uh always uh, a, a, a you know, a, a staple on the steeplechase calendar, and of course, the Montpelier race is uh, coming up as well. Uh, Going to reach out now. John Salzman has an interesting day in front of him. John Salzman Jr., uh, his father trained extra heat, just a sensational sprinter up in Maryland, and has a Virginia bred owned by. Um, Bird and Grady LLC, um, Low Mileage, the Jamestown Stakes winner, is racing today in the Salima Stakes at Laurel Park, a mile and a sixteenth on the turf. They're going to have great weather today. And John joins us now and off to the races. John,
4: good morning. Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. And uh, finally, the, the it looks like the the sun is going to be out on a, on a weekend. We're going to have uh, great conditions and uh, you have Low Mileage who is just an interesting horse in the sense that, uh, you know, comes up through Laurel, takes a chance in the Keswick Stakes, didn't really go according to plan, comes back and runs in the Jamestown Stakes at Colonial Downs uh, on September 2nd, and was a pretty convincing winner of the race. Uh, You know, tell us about, you know, your, your hopes with this two-year-old filly and uh, you know what your chances uh, today the horse is 12 to 1 which kind of caught my eye as is as, as, as being a surprise I think this uh, this horse is going to run well over 12 to 1
4: well I mean I'm hoping so but you were talking about conditions we've had tons of rain here all week so I don't really know what the conditions are going to be of that turf course here The turf's gotten much better in Maryland. It does take some rain, but we had that hurricane or tropical storm come through. I mean, it's been raining and drizzly every day except for yesterday and today. So I'm a little concerned on how soft the turf's going to be. But the good part is they're going to run the second and fourth race on the turf earlier. So if it's not safe, then I wouldn't be surprised if they changed their plans and maybe took them off the turf, which I'm not You know, I'm not overly concerned either way. This filly seems like a nice filly. She's done everything I've asked of her. She went on the dirt her first start and um, come from off the pace and was in a little trouble. And then I had to run her back to get her. I wanted to get another race in her before the Keswick, so I ran her in the A other than here with the boys. And she actually ran a a super race and a pretty nice horse beater of Cal Lynch's that had win first time out and runs fast time and come back and beat me in that race and then I see they did try him on the turf, Some I think in Canada or something. They didn't run any good, but I guess he just didn't like the turf. And then she ran back into Keswick. Um, didn't quite go as smoothly as I would have liked. She was uh, she got banged around a little bit leaving there, and she'd come back. She was all cut up behind, and it didn't make any sense to me. But after I talked to and he said he had knew something happened to her. He didn't know quite how bad it was, but it was it was pretty severe, and she still ran a good race, got beat five lengths. And then in the Jamestown, everything seemed to go her way. I was a little nervous turning for home. He was sitting waiting to get through on the fence, but he uh, he actually did get lucky enough to get through, and she did draw off. So, you know, it's a big question. I've found in Colonial a lot of horses like that turf course. So this is a more of a... Uh, I would say a real turf course but it's a it's more I don't know why horses like the the turf a whole lot more in Colonial I think it's a sandy or base or something but I've had a lot of horses that handle that turf that aren't turf horses so we're gonna see I mean she's doing super and uh, I'm looking forward to it and um the 12 to 1 that's that doesn't surprise me I mean she beat Virginia Breads down there and she did beat the boys but it wasn't a extremely tough race. I mean, it's easier to say now that you've won it, but I thought it was a rather easy spot. So, this is a little more of a test with the Chad Browns and the Weavers and all the big boys coming. So, we'll, we'll learn a little more today, hopefully.
1: It was an interesting take with low mileage. I the thing that stands out with me with that Jamestown was, you know, the horse was cross entered with the dirt race at Timonium, I think, if not the same day, the same weekend, um, which is a, you know, a, a little tighter, small track um, versus Colonial, which has a, a more sweeping turn on the turf, of course. Um, I guess it was a pretty easy decision to come to Colonial based on, based on the feel. But I mean, is, does that sort of show a little bit of the, the versatility of this horse?
4: Like I said, I'm not convinced that she's either turf or dirt. I think she'll do either one. And, I mean, I'm hoping, you know, I, I looked her up. The mare, the mare had never run, but then I looked the grand mare up, and the grandmother uh, run a mile and three-eighths. All of her races were on the grass. I mean, I'm not saying she was a steak horse, but she definitely was a grass horse, and she definitely ran long. So then I looked up Mineshaft, and he's, you know, he's got a fair share of uh, runners on the grass, too, it, so I mean, it's not out of the question. I entered at Timonium. It was actually the same day, and I entered at Timonium. They called me and told me it was a five horse field at the time when I entered, and I said, "Well, I'll put her in there," because I'm, you know, I'm 20 minutes from Timonium, and I'm three hours in the heat from Colonial. So, if the race at Timonium had come up, you know that that week of a field then that's what I would have done. And to be honest with you, I never even looked at the field at Timonium because the entries come out first at Colonial. And once I'd seen who was in there, I'd made up my mind before i even seen who was in the Timonium race that I was, I was coming there. So, um, you know, it was just a matter of choosing, but I think I did the right thing one way or the other. And like I said, it didn't matter to me dirt or turf, and especially with the Colonial turf course because, like I said, I've had a lot of luck with horses handle in that turf course that aren't actually turf horses.
1: Low mileage, just one of the horses uh, in your barn. You took a you took a stab at the Preakness this year. It's a pretty good year f- for you uh, cu- with a couple of nice horses with a coffee with Chris. I went up and ran at Charlestown, not what you liked there, but you know this is a, a nice a nice horse that uh, Broke his maiden at Colonial Downs. Uh, actually, I don't have that right. Uh, Broke his maiden at Pimlico and then came back and ran at Colonial Downs. But, uh, uh, you know, maybe give us an update, coffee with Chris, you know, what the uh, plans may be for your Preakness starter this year.
4: Well, the Preakness was a, you know, I, I took a shot. I was, I got beat two lengths in the Tessio, and that's a win in your end race. So I would made up my mind if you win the Tessio, and the prigness was going to, you know, come up, come, you know, easy, not easy, but not all the derby horses that I was going to run. And then after I got beat two lengths in the SEO and he run his eyeballs out, he was on the lead and I'm not sure that's the best he wanted to be. But, um, I got to thinking about it more and more. And, you know, you don't get a chance like that right in your back door. So I changed my mind. I just said I wasn't going to let two lengths decide whether I run in a triple crown race. And I ran him and, Honestly, he just didn't handle the racetrack over there. It was the same thing. He come back, he got all cut up. I mean, if he'd have turned for home and made his move and opened up or was right there, and then got tired going a mile three I'd have been fine with it. But he just never ran his race that day. It was a bad day. I guess he picked fixed the big races to give me uh, ulcers or something. But anyway, <laughs> he came out <laughs> he came out of it fine. Everything was good, and then I took him to Charlestown and. That's a whole different story. That race, I'm just going to write off. It was, um, I had to change riders, and uh, there was, a, like I said, it was a lot of drama with that, so we're just going to let that race go as a uh, a write-off, and then um, I gave him, actually, I gave him 30 days off, and I was planning on giving him 60 days. I gave him 30 days off here, and we've just been turning him out in the round pen, and he's bucking and playing and kicking, and I'm the type of guy, it's hard to turn out. You know, I don't have that many real nice horses that, it's hard to turn out a horse like that and something happen to him on the farm and get hurt. I mean, he's he's been a sound horse. He does everything I ask of him. So he's doing great right now. I actually started him back to the track for four days ago. And uh, I'm just going to train him lightly and see how he does. And then there's a three-year-old race here in November that I'm heading for. and um, But he's doing super. Everything's fine with him.
1: Great. Yeah, coffee with Chris. We'll, uh, we'll look for him for that uh, start later this fall john uh, we appreciate it good luck to you and uh heavy in toledo uh who will uh have the mount today um looking for uh, back-to-back wins in the salima stakes today a mile and a 16th on the turf uh, good luck today appreciate you coming on off to the races
4: all right thank you and you guys have a good day
1: great john salzman uh taking a shot with low mileage uh, colonial uh, stakes winner that is uh going to try and take a little higher step up, the Jamestown stakes, $125,000 stakes race uh, going for $150,000 today in the Salima stakes, so um, just uh, one of many races, they got four races, four stakes races on the card at Laurel Park today. Uh, We'll speak with Frank Vespi about some of them when we get back on the other side. Also today, they run the Jefferson Cup at Churchill Downs today. you have the uh, ACAC, which is part of the win in your end. Zosos uh, is the feature in that race. The Lucas Classic um, is in this rattle and roll uh, running as well. And then uh, already touched a little bit about some of the nice stakes races. The Preakness winner, of course, uh, starting out at Santa Anita. So as we head to break on off to the races, we still have Frank Vespi in front of us. Debbie Warnick will get a live... Um, shot from Foxfield, uh, where they'll be running the Foxfield races later today, and of course Shenandoah Downs. You're listening to Off to the Races, powered by the RacingBiz.com. Virginia's horse racing and horse breeding industry is built on the talents, skills, labors, and passions of incredible people working in all parts of the Commonwealth. Horses fuel the economy, power tourism, reinforce agriculture, and create jobs. From farmers to blacksmiths, trainers to vets, and racehorse staff to surrounding small businesses, the local horse racing and breeding industry alone supports 5,300 jobs and has an overall economic impact of $542 million annually. Over 5,400 horses are owned by Virginians and another 2,400 out-of-state horses are boarded at Virginia farms. Last year, over $4 billion was wagered on horse racing in Virginia. Learn more about this thriving agribusiness at virginiahorseracing.com And be sure to enjoy the Colonial Downs Summer Thoroughbred Racing Season in New Kent which runs from July 13th through September 9th, every Thursday, Friday and Saturday afternoon at
3: 1.30. Dropkick Murphy's Fall Tour 2023 October 1st the King Pavilion in Charlottesville with the Interrupters. Jesse Ahern, Dropkick Murphys, tickets on sale now at TeamPavilion.com. produced by Live Nation and Starhill Presents.
1: Virginia's horse racing and horse breeding industry is built on the talent, skills, labors, and passions of incredible people working in all parts of the Commonwealth. Horses fuel the economy, power tourism, reinforce agriculture, and create jobs. From farmers to blacksmiths, trainers to vets, and racehorse staff to surrounding businesses, the local horse racing and breeding industry alone supports 5,300 jobs and has an overall impact of $542 million annually. Over 5,400 horses are owned by Virginians and another 2,400 out-of-state horses are boarded at Virginia Farms. Last year, over $4 billion was wagered on horse racing in Virginia. Learn more about this thriving agribusiness at virginiahorseracing.com. And be sure to enjoy the Colonial Downs Summer Thoroughbred Racing Season in New Kent, which runs from July 13th through September 9th, every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at one30
3: Harness Racing returns to Shenandoah Downs in Woodstock this fall for a big seven-week season beginning September 16th. Watch, wager, and win 10 times each racing afternoon. Opening day is Saturday the 16th. It features a free t-shirt giveaway celebrating 137 years of Harness Racing in Woodstock. Enjoy live music with the Seven Benz Band all afternoon. On Sunday the 17th, it's happy hour pricing with $1 hot dogs and $2 canned beer. Shenandoah Downs, where admission and parking are always free and the races are family-friendly.
1: And we're back on Off to the Races on this Saturday morning. Thanks for tuning in in Harrisonburg and Richmond and uh, on the World Wide Web as well. And uh, you've heard the Living the Dream intro. That's reserved on this radio show for Frank Vespey, who joins us and Frank uh, we we just talked to John Salzman and and boy it can be a little funny with these coastal storms uh, moving up uh, the East Coast Uh, here where I broadcast in Charlottesville it's good to be back in Charlottesville uh, at least for a little while doing on a Saturday morning Uh, but we haven't seen like a substantial amount of rain even through the Ophelia event but if you got closer to the coast it may have been a whole different story just uh, uh, I, I guess the rain and sort of the overcast days we had here in Charlottesville uh, came down as rain uh, up in in Laurel uh, uh, but still a, a nice card at Laurel today with the four stakes races uh, you know what? Uh, what's it like in Maryland this week
0: well, I think the sun has gone in to witness protection up here, Nick, but um other than that, you know, it's so it's overcast, it's gray, it's a little cool. Uh but it's not bad. They're on the turf, they'll be okay and, and I, I think the rain is mostly not supposed to come, so I think we're going to be fine and and uh so we sure hope so because we got the salim on the turf the laurel futurity on the turf and the japan turf cup which not surprisingly is on the turf so uh we kind of need to be on the turf but i i think we're going to be fine so fingers crossed everything should be okay
1: ken brown of course is uh now involved with those racing surfaces up at maryland uh It may not be an immediate uh, correction, but we know they're on the right path. And uh, Ken Brown, as we learned late in the meet at Colonial, basically upon his retirement, played youth hockey with the great one, uh, the great uh, Gretzky. So uh, for hockey fans, uh, uh, you know he pays attention to uh, surface conditions, whether it's uh, grass, dirt, or ice.
0: <laughs> and, well, so as an adult, Nick, you know, this is about 20 years ago, but my wife got me as a present uh, 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 whatever, a, a trip to the Wayne Gretzky Fantasy Hockey Camp. And uh, so I got to play with Gretzky and a whole bunch of other Hall of Famers there, which was super cool. And my claim to fame is... Uh, I stole the puck from Gratsky. <laughs> what? Yeah, he you was. Did yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean our, our listeners wouldn't know or care, but I, I played from, you know, time I was six or seven years old, uh, into my mid thirties as an adult. So I played a lot of hockey, played, you know, high school, college, whatever. And uh yeah, Gretzky oh, had the puck it. and he did a little kind of dipsy do trying to come out of the zone and I stole it from him. And my wife said nobody looked more surprised than I was <laughs> and I did. That. <laughs> Well, yeah,
1: yeah, no, that's a, yeah, I'd, I'd have t-shirts and bumper stickers done. I stole a puck from Gretzky, you know, if I would. Yeah,
0: no, it, it was cool, you know, and the thing about him is being on the ice, whether it's with, you know, guys who are terrible like me and, you know, a bunch of other hacks or with pros, that that is his happy place, and, you know, he just like, when he's on skates, he's got a big smile, he's just having a good time, and, and, uh... It was cool. It was very cool to be around him.
1: Yeah, when I play hockey, it looks more like slip and slide than <laughs> I've never I don't think I've ever ice skated. Any any sport where the ground moves underneath you and your feet are still is a little difficult for me for some reason. Always been that way.
5: <laughs> let's
1: start with uh let's start with to uh, try and get this in the uh, the Maryland situation of uh, you know, in a nutshell, uh, you did some great reporting. I, I can't Thank really say the stories were great to hear at times, but meeting yesterday and the lead in, uh, uh, the Preakness will be at Pimlico again. It, it's another last Preakness at Pimlico as we know it, uh, but it, it may be that way, it sounds like, for a while. Uh, what's the situation with Maryland?
0: Yeah, they they had a meeting, uh, Nick, yesterday of the Maryland Racetrack Operating Authority, which is a, a newly created group uh, that the state created that is supposed to report back to the legislature by December 1st with their recommendations for what the future of Maryland racing should look like. And they had held an earlier meeting where the Maryland Stadium Authority kind of went through the just dismal condition of the facilities at Laurel and Pimlico. And then this meeting was to hear from the Maryland Jockey Club slash First Racing, the track operator, what they think the future should be. And in essence, what they called for is uh fewer days of live racing uh a circuit in the mid-Atlantic yeah you know, so fewer days in Maryland a circuit in the mid-Atlantic and that they should get a share of the VLT, the slots revenue uh, that currently all goes to purses. So um, they're calling for pretty significant changes. And, and you know, it's uh, they, if if they were to get everything they want, they would get a new Pimlico primarily on the state's dime, more money out of the VLT and fewer racing days. So it's uh, those are pretty big changes that they are seeking. And I don't think anybody expects everybody's going to get what they want out of this process and i'm not sure anybody even knows how this process is going to going to proceed or how or whether it can reach a a conclusion that works
1: yeah yeah with this uh, deadline that seems to be approaching uh there's going to be a bit of a reshuffling uh it, it's good that a lot of trainers you hear it from a lot of horsemen and they would love to see uh, that maryland virginia circuit back together in some sort of format uh for a number of different issues um staffing uh, you
0: know
1: race
2: I, I mean it makes
0: sense there, there's you know there are fewer and fewer horses we you know we saw recently the the fall crop is uh, uh, Shrank a little bit again this year, and with the new rules with HISA, you, you really need more horses because the the HISA rules are going to mean probably more horses on the shelf for longer periods of time before they can pass, you know, the, the, all the various checks and stuff. Plus, soon enough, there's going to be a ban on Lasix, and that's going to knock some other horses out of out of uh, competition, and and so with fewer horses and horses, you know, running less frequently and now probably going to be more or less required to run less frequently. Everybody's going to have to figure out how to work together to share this population of horses.
1: On the Baltimore show this morning of Off to the Races uh, that runs, I was trying to figure out how to lead off uh, this story uh, that you did and uh, I think the best way is with this race call from the 1997 Preakness. Pay attention uh, for uh, Dave Johnson's call specifically in regard to Captain Bodgett as he calls the 97 Preakness. It was nearly Captain Bodgett. Tell us about uh, the Capuano uh, story.
0: Yeah, this is a neat story. Captain Bodgett was trained by Gary Capuano back then. That was 96. That was the 97 Preakness. And what had happened with him, he was owned by Phyllis Sassini, and after, I want to say the Holy Bull might have been the Fountain of Youth, one of those races, Team Valor bought the horse, but they decided for various reasons to leave the horse with Gary. And so Gary trained him, he was the beaten favorite in the Kentucky Derby by about a head, beaten favorite in the Preakness again by about a head. Um so he he was a terrific horse he was probably the best horse Gary had and and uh so fast forward to now Gary's son Phil is training and has a horse named Just Great, a filly who won at first asking at Delaware Park by about 14 lengths. And, and Team Valor buys the horse after that debut victory. They decided to leave the horse with Phil Capuano, and they sent him silks. And Phil told me, he kind of looked at the silks, and he was like, you know, something, I, I don't know, something it's not quite right. And he told his, his dad that, and Gary said, oh, well, if you want, you could use Captain Bodget's silks. So... Just Great won the Small Wonder on Wednesday at Delaware Park. And Jamie Rodriguez, who rode her, was wearing the same silks that Alex Solis was wearing in the Preakness and the Kentucky Derby and the Florida Derby and the Wood Memorial. So Captain Bodgett lives on, and, and everything kind of comes full circle for the Capuano family, which I just thought was it was kind of the coolest story I've heard in a long time.
1: Yeah, it really is. You remember we were talking just before we came on the air, and uh, you remember your... your picks for the triple crown and breeders cup and some of the travers some of the bigger races of course the virginia derby and and uh, now the secretariat here in virginia through the decades you remember i i picked Cap'n, captain captain bodgett uh, to win that year's uh, kentucky derby i'm pretty sure i bounced him back in the preakness as well but uh yeah uh, it's, when the when you mentioned the name do you remember i was like oh, i not only did i remember the the horse i remember the call the race uh and and yeah it's just uh, a, a great story a, a big fan of racing um up in maryland went to i sh- must have gone to a number of preaknesses although you're not quite sure because uh it was during the season was brooks robinson frank
0: yeah, yeah, sad news. Brooks Robinson passed away at age 86. I think that was Tuesday. And and uh, I, I had a piece about it, and I had Gary Quill on the radio in Maryland. And, uh, you know, he loved racing. You used to see him at, at Laurel, at Pimlico, and even at Timonium, you know, pretty regularly. He used to have lunch a lot with Frank Wright, who was an owner and breeder up here. and and uh, But the really cool moment for me with Brooks was we got him. He came to Timonium a couple of years ago. And and uh, he agreed to come on the set for a brief interview between races. And and I said to Gary Quill, who was doing the handicapping with me, I said, "You do the interview." And he said, "Kind of no, no, no." I said, "No, no, you do it. You're a lifelong Orioles fan. You idolize Brooks Robinson. It'll mean more to you than it does to me, and you'll ask better questions because I don't even know what to ask him." So Gary did the interview, which was great, and Brooks was just as gracious and humble as could be. But the cool thing for me was standing to the side of the set, watching the interview. And at some point I realized that just about everybody who was at the track that day had come out and formed a semicircle around the set to watch the interview. Like everybody just was like, Brooks is here. And uh, when the interview ended and he got up to leave, everybody started clapping, you know? So it was like a standing ovation for Brooks It was just a very, very cool moment. Like, kind of gives you chills. Even now, thinking about it, like what Brooks Robinson meant to Baltimore and to baseball, and even the racing, he he really was an icon. And they don't make them like that very much anymore.
1: No, especially spending his whole career in uh, with the Orioles. So uh, yeah. Definitely uh, a good moment. Frank, uh, we um, need to move on. We'll have you next week, of course, but uh, good luck today uh, up in uh, up at Laurel, and um, hopefully uh, we'll, Maryland will get on the right path here.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. Thanks, Nick. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Great. Frank Vesby joining us. Uh, Uh, from the racingbiz.com and gary quill yeah one of the look forward to seeing him every uh probably need to get him on the show before we wrap up before the end of the year because uh he does great work for the racing biz especially over preakness weekend it's foxfield weekend of here and we have a six race card in front of us at Foxfield. First race post time is at 1230 and joining us on off to the races is the executive director of well actually just we'll take a minute here and maybe go through the card as uh, the two features really on the day are the uh, $25,000 handicap hurdle and then they have the thirty-five thousand uh, dollar Tejada uh, Memorial as the uh, sixth race on the card. Those races set to go off at two fifty and and three twenty-five or so. And uh, they feature a number of horses. We saw race at Colonial Downs over the summer. Uh, just about all of them actually in the uh, fifth race. Uh, had starts at Colonial, so there'll be a lot of recognizable names. And Kelsey Cox joins us, the Executive Director. Kelsey, good morning.
6: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, the uh, Foxfield races uh, coming up, a uh, standard here in Charlottesville, maybe more the spring than the fall, but uh, f- f- fall can be, uh, with a smaller crowd and, and just uh, maybe more family-friendly atmosphere, can be a great day as well. Uh, what are thoughts about the uh, the course and the racing tomorrow?
6: Well, we are celebrating our 44th running of both spring and fall, so uh, we, as you As I was hearing you mention, we've got some great full race cards, which is really wonderful. We have, since taking over in 2020 under our new management here at Foxfield, we've put some great attention into the track. There was, as you can imagine, here in central Virginia, there was some hard-packed soil that needed uh, some good amount of attention (laughs) in order to focus on equine safety. So, we've been doing some aeration, we've been doing some irrigation and just continuously making certain that it's safe for our horses. And it looks gorgeous. It's about seven, seven and a half inches in some areas, but mostly all seven. And its uh, I think we're at 90, I think we were at 99 earlier this week, compaction. And then with some of that rain that we kept getting, we're at about 92, 93, about there, and some great moisture as well. So it should be a great day for our equine athletes.
1: Yeah, and looking at the, the two features, you know, one's an overnight. They're both, I guess, overnight handicaps, uh, 25000 twenty five and $35,000 mm-hmm. purses. Some good opportunities here. Seismic Wave is the uh, favorite in the fifth race. Uh, Neil Morris, certainly no stranger to, to Foxfield. Graham Waters, the the rider ab- aboard that horse. And then uh, Zabil Champion, this is a horse-making um his first start in the United States, actually, for uh, Jack Fisher. Uh, I'm always amazed at the talent of these horses. That it, 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 you know where they come from and and, and bringing them in. Uh, it, it, they're it's so athletic to see them go over those, uh, going in over the jumps.
6: I agree with you, and just hearing all of the backstory of all of them. I think so many times as humans we focus on the human athletes, the jockeys, and the trainers that are doing so much to get these horses ready, but um, there we just have some really wonderful horse athletes, and as you mentioned, some of these that are just making their debut or they're coming back to Foxfield. these trainers that continue to support what we're doing down here, and I heard from many of them that they're excited about what we've been doing to maintain the track and get it ready for them.
1: Yeah, just a just a great atmosphere set in yeah. the northwest quadrant of Admiral County of from Charlottesville. Uh, for fans that may be heading there for the first time tomorrow, or those that aren't familiar, you know, what do they need to mm-hmm. know what, about coming to Foxfield?
6: Our gates open at nine thirty, so many people start voting in 10, 11 o'clock. That first race is at 1230, but to kick off the day, we're going to have a parade of hounds and a parade of beagles from our local groups here in Charlottesville, and as they parade down, welcoming and starting our day, then we will head into that first race, that maiden claiming hurdle sponsored by Tiger Fuel, and then we're going to run every 35 minutes thereafter, and as you mentioned, that second race is our flat race, and that's the only one of the day. Everybody else is a hurdle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, training flat and the VEA involved in uh, supporting the race, uh, Joe Byrne, Debbie Easter uh, as well. Uh, Yeah, they're just wonderful,
6: and they're going to be here with us tomorrow on race day. Their support is absolutely phenomenal and much appreciated to everything we do here. We could not be here without Virginia Equine Alliance.
1: Yeah, it's just a beautiful venue uh, here in the foothills of the uh, Blue Ridge Mountain. Wanted to get that in today. Uh, Kelsey, have a great day tomorrow. it looks like it's going to be a wonderful day.
6: It will be. And thank you so much. And thank you to all of our sponsors and supporters. And thank you to you as well for helping spread our message and our work here in Central Virginia.
1: You got it. Kelsey Cox, executive director of the Foxfield Races, joining us on Off to the Races. And just one of a number of venues that. Uh, have uh, you know racing going on, uh, and you know we're going to talk to one here in a moment with uh, Debbie Warnick, who is another executive director. This one of the uh, Virginia Harness Horsemen's Association, and uh, they're having a great meet up at uh, Shenandoah, as I call it, Shenandoah Downs. Uh, I, I like it. I don't know if anybody else does in terms of calling it Shenandoah, but uh, just some an influx of of horsemen that have come in uh, to to compete. Uh, Tom Hall currently sits alone as the leading trainer of the meet with five wins of the meet. And Fern Paquette, no relation or even close to the spelling of Jessica, by the way, uh, with uh, seven wins uh, on the driver's side. Uh, Tyler Sheehan was six. So it's going to be interesting to watch these driver-trainer standings through the way. And joining us from uh woodstock i think i'm I'm assuming she's in woodstock this morning debbie warnick and debbie good morning and um it's it's, boy daryl mentioned it was the third week of of the meet and i think that is excluding the fair which sort of kicks off the meet of i mean this is uh this meet is flying by if uh If you don't have an opportunity to come out and see it, it could pass you by quickly uh, through the month of October. Uh, Debbie, uh, good morning. Uh, What's it like up at Shenandoah Downs this morning?
5: Good morning to you, too. Um, It's a great day up here. It's a little overcast at the moment, but there's no rain, which is a difference from the past couple weeks. Because we've had some rain up here this year.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's good to see that you're finally going to get a break on the weather, and it, and actually just at the perfect time of year with uh, with October. I've uh, uh, been there several times now during the month of October, and it's just scenic. It's cool. It's a great. Uh, it's almost air conditioning type weather uh, when you're when you're up there, and. Uh, what is sort of ahead uh, for the meet at Shenandoah Downs? What do, what do you see sort of in front of you as, uh, you know, what are you looking forward to?
5: Well, we've got a couple more weeks of great racing because we always have good racing up here. We've got, as you mentioned, some drivers and trainers that duke it out pretty close in the standings. Uh, we've got some new people here this, this meet that weren't here in the spring or last fall. So that's adding some excitement. Um, and we're all working towards our Breeders' Fund, which is our Champion Day, which is the last day of the meet in October. We've got some Breeders' Fund eliminations starting today for the three-year-olds, and then the two-year-olds to follow that, and then the finals.
1: There's been such an influx of interest when you talk about people like uh, Steve Wetzel, or if you're you're talking about uh, you know some of the the people that have gotten involved with harness racing. It's a lot more how should you call it sensible maybe in terms of investment and getting involved in horse ownership. Uh, you have the sire stakes program, the residency program, uh, which has done so well. Uh, things are looking up in the Virginia harness horse industry.
5: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're, we're growing up here. We added the second meet in the spring, um, which doubled our race days. Um, and you mentioned Steve Wetzel, um, he was one of our, our Own a Horse for a Day promotion winners, um, which we do. And then this year we had a second person, Barry Trum, who has now bought a horse out of the Own a Horse for a Day program. So that's exciting to have people that had nothing whatsoever to do with harness racing other than they came and watched us and they participated in that that promotion, and now they own horses. So that's exciting to get completely new blood into the sport is a good thing.
0: It, it
1: may not seem very uh, recent now, but at one time you were new blood to the harness industry. Uh, maybe tell us about your entry and your background into uh, harness racing, uh, especially as a, as a restaurateur and working construction of all things.
5: Um, yeah, um, it's new blood, it's been 17 years ago now, but yes, some new blood. Um. <laughs> We started out, my husband, at the time we lived in Maryland, um, and my husband was just a harness racing fan um, all of his life from going to the tracks up there. And um, then when circumstances brought us to live in Virginia, where we actually had property and all that, and got hooked up with somebody, you know, working with him. He did. Got hooked up working with a gentleman that was here in Virginia and then got part of a horse. And then the next thing I know, there was fourteen horses in the backyard, so <laughs> and then there's then we've had babies along the way and so life changes a lot in a short period of time. Yeah. But that's the one good thing about harness racing is you know, it's any man's sport. You know, you can you know, restaurant that we own and construction that I did, you know, and the next thing you know I can own a horse. Um Pete you know, Wetzel, he was uh, a farmer out here raising cows. You know, anybody in, in any walk of life can have something to do with harness
1: racing. Yeah. You're based in Saluda, which is, has just sort of the neat tie in for me, especially for our Harrisonburg listeners with Ray count, who uh, was owned by Willis Kilmer, uh, who had a, just a, 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 Interesting background in itself, but at Court Manor, bred a Kentucky Derby winner, but also had a farm out in Saluda that he named with his back, with his last name backwards, Remlick, (laughs) not far down the street from you.
5: That's right. It's literally less than a mile or so down the road from me. And evidently, in its day, it was quite a facility. He had indoor covered training tracks and everything, and the remnants of that are still standing down there on the property.
1: Yeah, this was uh, this was an interesting guy he had he actually opened Zumarama uh, at his court manor property which had all kinds of zebras and drafts and uh, was apparently quite the uh, the show place back in the day but that was back in the 19 it was almost a century ago uh, back in the 1920s and 30s. Well, Debbie, we appreciate you coming on off to the races this morning, and good luck today at Shenandoah Downs. And uh, looking to, if, if everything goes right, we'll be broadcasting there next week.
5: Well, we look, we look forward to that. Thank you for having me, and anybody that's in there, come on out and enjoy a great day and great racing.
1: Yeah, great racing. It is a great venue to see it. Debbie Warnick joining us uh, from Shenandoah Downs this weekend. Uh, On off to the races so uh, coming up on the final strides of off to the races uh, looks like we're gonna have good enough weather hopefully the track dries out enough up at Laurel Park Um, Kentucky has a big day of racing uh, Churchill Downs uh, with a big race card there and of course out at Santa Anita uh, later today uh, look for National Treasure to have uh, a challenging test uh, in the awesome again stakes. So I want to thank everybody that was on the show today, Daryl Wood, John Salzman Frank Vespi uh, Debbie Warnick and Kelsey Cox so plenty of racing and uh, we hope that you have a sensational Saturday and uh, look forward to talking to you next week on Off to the Races as you uh, All across Virginia, just all kinds of racing, Uh, whether it's um, with the Sulkies or over the flats or over the hedges. It's a big weekend of racing throughout the Commonwealth. Uh, We'll talk to you next week on Off to the Races, post time, 10 o'clock.